If not already taken out the sermon handout, you'll find it in the bulletin. Uh, this morning we're going to be looking at the laying on hands in the series. Uh, remember on the back side of it is the MPG that stands for Memorize, Pray, and Glorify. And like the MPG with gas mileage, how far you can get on a gallon of gas, the MPG that we use in terms of the Memorize and the Prayer and the Glorify is taking the sermon, the message, the study, what we're doing right now with God's open word further down the road. And so there'll be a text for you to memorize this week. There'll be something that we want you to think about praying about this week and some ways that you can glorify God. This particular week, it's going to be considering some questions that, as we talk about laying on of hands. Now, as you know, we're talking about building blocks. That's what these blocks are up on the stage. You know, the first curriculum where you played and learned at the same time were when you received these building blocks, these little tiny blocks where you learned your colors, you learned your ABCs, and you learned your one, two, threes. And as you learned those, they led to bigger and better things. In fact, mastering, you know, the colors and the letters and the numbers opens up the world to you in a manner of speaking with reading and you know all of these different kinds of things and the same is true when it comes to the kingdom of God there are building blocks that open the kingdom of God up to you and that's what we're talking about in the sermon series so at the beginning I want to spend some time just going over the main text which is Hebrews chapter 6 verses 1 2 and 3 and that text goes like this let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again and again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. So part of becoming a member of God's kingdom is you may be born into the kingdom, but you're not supposed to stay there. You're supposed to grow up. You're supposed to mature as a disciple of Jesus. And he continues saying, Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds, of placing our faith in God, you don't need further instructions about baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, and so, God willing, and what we've been saying all along is God is willing, God, this is what God wants for you, we will move forward to further understanding. That is, as we understand more and grow more profound in our discipleship, we're going to bring more glory to God. So there are basically six of these building blocks. You can see them over here if you're, if you're streaming with us right now. There are six building blocks of faith. The first is repentance. Repenting is reorienting. It is, it is coming to our senses. It's getting back on track, getting back on trajectory to God. It's moving away from the very things in this world that kill us and moving towards what saves us. That is what repentance is all about. And it's something that you'll use every day of your life. Number two is faith. Faith is growing increasingly comfortable with increasingly trusting God in life, in all of the circumstances, all of the challenges that you face each day. Faith grows as you become more comfortable in trusting God and more profound in your trust of God. Baptism, what we looked at last week, being a renewed person in the kingdom of God begins with a rebirth. This morning, we're going to talk about laying on of hands, Easter a month ago, we talked about the resurrection. The resurrection is life goes on because death is gone. There is a, resurrected bo a resurrection body that you are going to be blessed with one day. And then finally, we're going to talk about judgment. Now next week, we're going to talk about Mother's Day and talk about moms. 
And then the week after that, we'll talk about judgment. And then the final sermon in the series after judgment will be, how do all of these things actually work in making us more mature as disciples of Jesus? Now, our theme statement is this, something to get our minds around as we think about this text. You cannot attain maturity without retaining the elementary. You cannot attain maturity until you retain the elementary. Now, this morning, we're going to talk about laying on of hands. Back in the late 1990s, made my first trip to Israel. We leave New York City, flying to Tel Aviv on El Al Airlines, and it's an overnight flight. So in the middle of the night, at some point, uh, all of the, the, the Hebrew Orthodox men that were on that flight, it was filled with lots of Orthodox families as well as tourists, and at a particular hour, and all of the Orthodox Jewish men knew the hour, they all stand up in the plane, and if they were standing next to an aisle, they would actually move into the aisle, and they begin praying out of their prayer book. And as they were doing it, they're rocking back and forth, back and forth, just like this. Well, I made note of it. I didn't quite understand it. And uh, then, you know, we make it into Jerusalem, and we're in, uh, in front of the Wailing Wall, or what used to be called the Wailing Wall. It's now the Western Wall. And you see the same thing. You see these Orthodox Jewish men standing in front of the remains of, you know, what's left of, of Solomon's build. And they are rocking back and forth as they're praying. And so I asked the guy, I said, you know, I, I, you know I, I think I know some of what's happening here, but what is all that rocking that's taking back and, you know, back and forth, back and forth, all this rocking that they're doing? And he says, well, you know, the scriptures in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, that talk about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. When they are praying and they are speaking their love to God, they are bringing their body to bear, and that's why there's rocking. They are using their body in prayer to express love to God. And it dawned on me, and I, when I got back to the United States, uh, spent some more time thinking about it, but it dawned on me that we unintentionally downplay the body in our expressions and experiences of spirituality. We unintentionally emphasize that inner aspect of our spiritual life over how the body is purposed for godliness too. And yet, the Bible is just filled over and over again with references to the body. Think about the mouth, for example. James, the brother of Jesus, talks about with our mouth we praise God. Just a couple of minutes ago, Aaron, as he was leading us through the Lord's Supper, instructed us about the bread and about the juice. And it's with our mouth, our, our tongue, that we taste the bread and we taste the juice as we eat this meal together and are reminded that there was a body that was sacrificed for us. In Romans chapter 16, Paul says to the church in Rome, greet each other with a holy kiss. Now, we may not do that today, but we greet each other with a holy hand bump or a holy handshake. The same is true with eyes. The eyes in the Bible are sort of the gateway to the heart. And so you have a psalmist saying in Psalm 101, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. That's a way of saying that, you know, knowing that what I see somehow makes it on the, on the inside of me, I'm not going to put something that's wicked that's going to lead my thinking astray, my heart astray, in front of my eyes. I will close the gateway to my heart to the wicked thing. On the reverse of that, the converse side of that, you have David in Psalm 19 saying to God, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Eyes, mouth, what about hands? Hands are just absolutely incredible. 
They're just a marvelous creation of God. We're able to communicate with our hands. I mean, over here with our deaf ministry, they are praising God with their hands. The, the sermon is being translated with hands. And you know, we, we're able to communicate so much with our hands. We create with our hands. Think of a potter's wheel, that wet lump of clay, spinning and spinning and spinning. It's ugly until the hands shape it and it becomes a beautiful vase or a beautiful bowl. We play music, hand on a guitar, hands on a piano, hands on drumsticks, making a beautiful, beautiful noise. We show emotion with our hands, right? If I do this, I'm showing anger. If I do this, I'm showing fear. Our hands are expressive. And in all of the weddings that I've done over 40 years of marriage, there is in the middle of that, that ceremony, there comes a point where I ask the, the bride and the groom to face each other and to join, what? Hands. And in the middle of that ceremony, as they're holding hands and looking into each other's eyes, they are making vows and promises to each other in front of witnesses. And then there comes a point where they take a ring. And that we talk about the, the symbolism of the ring. Uh, this is what you're going to see and feel every day on your hands to remind you of the vows that you have made. Hands are super important in the kingdom of God. And the laying on of hands is one of the faith fundamentals, and it's one of the faith fundamentals for this reason. The laying on of hands is an expression of God's active participation in daily life. The laying on of hands is an expression of God's active participation in daily life. The laying on of hands, the, the touching of another human being, is a fundamental to our faith for three reasons. But before I do that, I want to give you two uh, disclaimers. The first one is this. It is important, I think, to note that when I talk about laying on of hands, I'm talking about appropriate touching. I'm talking about shoulders, maybe the top of the head, maybe even touching the hands, and to do that only if permission is given. Now, you know your friends, and you may be praying with one of your friends, and you know that it's okay for you to reach out and touch a shoulder. But there are times when you don't know that, and there are times when a touch, unexpected touch, can trigger anxiety in another human being because of past experiences. So best policy is to make sure you ask, is it okay if I put my hand on your shoulder while we pray? There are times when I go into hospital uh, over a year ago when we were able to go into hospitals uh, when a baby was born, and I would ask the mother or father, is it okay if the baby was in the crib, if I can put my hand on the baby's back as I pray for this baby and pray for you, this new addition to your family and your role as parents. And they would usually say yes. You, it's, it's always good to ask and to make sure that the touching is appropriate. And the second is this, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, but when I talk about the laying on of hands, I'm not talking about every application that you find inside of the New Testament. There were times when it was imparting a spiritual gift. Um, you can remember in Acts chapter 8 when Simon the sorcerer saw that a spiritual gift was being given to somebody through the laying on of Peter's hands. Uh, Paul tells Timothy to remember his spiritual gift that came to him as he had the elders lay hands on him before he went into ministry. I, I, I do not believe that I have the ability to do a miracle. 
But I do believe that God still does miracles, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a second. But I am not saying that I am passing on a gift when I say I'm laying on hands. So here are the three ways that I think laying on hands has application for us today as a faith fundamental. Number one, touch connects a person to a path. Touch connects a person to a path. Think about the kiddos. There's old Jacob at the end of Genesis, Genesis chapter 48. He's about to die, and he wants to bless the sons of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh. And he lays his hands on the boys, on their heads, and he asks God to bless them. And what he's doing in this prayer as he's laying his hands on them is connecting these boys to a path that recognizes God. And so he says, beginning in verse 15, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. He is connecting those boys to a path. And the solemnity and the soberness of that moment as he prays to God to bless those boys is made even more so as he lays his hands on those boys' heads. You know, we pray for our children daily. I don't know of a parent who doesn't pray for his kids. And a lot of time those prayers are not with them physically while they're at school or after they're adults and they may be in another city or even a different country. But when they are with us or if it's a special moment, we can ask to place our hands on their shoulder or hold their hands and to ask God to make himself known to these kids and to make himself known to their hearts and that it be a special moment where we lay our hand on a kid the way that Israel did to the two sons of Joseph and ask God to connect them to a path that leads to them. Or it might be a ministry path. The church in Jerusalem hits a snag when the Jewish and Grecian widows are, are kind of struggling with each other in the distribution of food. They, they seemed to be showing favoritism towards the Jewish widows, and the Grecian widows and their families are up in arms. And the apostles become aware, and they ask for the church to choose seven men who become the first deacons in the church, and they ask them to take care of the issue. And in Acts chapter 6, we read in verse 6 that they presented these seven men to the apostles, and the apostles then prayed and laid their hands on them. He is giving them a path and praying over this path of taking care of these widows. Later in Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas are with the church in Antioch as the church is beginning to make its way up the Mediterranean seaboard. And they're worshiping and they're fasting when the Holy Spirit tells the church to set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And what the early church did in heeding that call by the Spirit to send Barnabas and Saul, later to be Paul, into that work is they fasted, verse 3, and they prayed, and they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Now, a modern-day example of this is in August of 1989, Ellen and I and Jessica are leaving from San Diego, California to, to land in Brasilia, Brazil, to be missionaries in that capital city. And this was pre-COVID, or pre-COVID, this is pre-9-11, when people could kind of go into the airports at will. 
And there were about 100 members from our church there in San Diego that met us on the day in the airport that we were splitting for San Diego. And when they started calling for us to board the plane, that group of people kind of huddled around Ellen and Jessica and me, and they laid their hands on us. And Richard Endermill, who was one of the elders of, of that church, led a prayer asking not only for God to give a safe passage to Brazil, but to make us fruitful in our ministry, that we would be faithful to God, that we would honor God, that we would be creative in finding ways to bring people through the gospel into the kingdom of God. And at the end of that prayer, they sang with their hands on us. They were putting us on a path of ministry and asking God to be a part of that, to be a part of our lives. Well, there's a a second way, and that is touch connects people to God's power. Now, here's the thing. Where does the Bible say that God no longer works miracles in the lives of his people? Nowhere. And when we read the Bible, touching and healing are connected a lot in the Bible. Now, let me say again, I personally do not have the power to perform a miracle. That power is not in Mark Absher. That power is in God. And God nowhere in the New Testament says that he doesn't heal people of whatever it is that's breaking their hearts or breaking their bodies. Touch and healing are many, many times connected in the Bible. And when we lay our hands on a person who is brokenhearted or a person that is grieving or they're facing a big, heavy decision or they're seriously ill or they're, they're in, in some physical way uh, being harmed or they're not flourishing and we're laying our hands on them in prayer, it is a visceral, physical way of asking God to bless and to heal that person by His power. And so what we're doing through that touch is connecting people to God's power. Over in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 has just finished the Sermon on the Mount. He comes down off of the mountain when he's met with a leper. And the leper falls down in front of him and says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now think about the life of a leper. They're living without contact with family or other loved ones. They have to separate themselves from the people who are whole, the people that are healthy. They, they can't go anywhere incognito. Everywhere they, gotta, they go, they have to call attention to themselves because they have an infectious skin disease. They're lepers, and so they're supposed to throw dust in the air and let it get all, all over them. They're supposed to tear their clothes, and everywhere they go, they cry out in a loud voice, unclean, unclean, unclean. They had to always look disheveled which means that they look like something is wrong with them wherever they go. And if they're living in a community with other lepers, think about this. They're surrounded not by wholesome people, healthy people, flourishing people. They are surrounded 24-7 by people who are dying. That is the life of a leper. And he falls down in front of Jesus. And he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And we know because Jesus is the Son of God who created everything, the Word of God, that all he has to do is say it, and that man is healed. But notice in verse 3, Jesus reaches out his hand, and he touches the man and says, I'm willing. Be clean. Today, when we lay our hands on somebody who is ill or sick, 
I'm not saying and you're not saying that we have the power to do this, but we are connecting that person to the power of God as we pray and ask God to bless this situation that has broken our heart. And then the last thing is this. Touch connects people to care. You know, care is expressed through touch, and it's one of the first experiences of care, of love, of of concern that we experience in life as an infant. I mean, there are study after study after study after study that talks about what happens to an infant in those first couple of weeks and months of life if they go without the skin-to-skin touch. One of the things that helps a baby grow into a healthy human being is those first months and even years of being touched and held skin to skin. When we do premarital counseling, we spend one whole session sometimes in talking about love languages. And a guy by the name of Gary Chapman has written a book called The Five Love Languages, uh, of which he has identified, there's probably more than this, but he's identified the top five. And one of them is physical touch. If there's just something in the way that you might hold somebody's hand or put your arm around them that makes them feel loved and cared for. There, you, you know, I used to tell Ellen, I said, you know, physical touch is my love language. And she goes, really? I said, yeah. You, you know, when you, when, when you hold my hand, it makes me think that, you know, you're not one of those people that say, I'm not going to touch you even with a 10-foot pole. It just means that there's, there's, there's some feeling there. And the same thing happens when you lay your hand on somebody that you care about as you pray for them. And you bless them. And you're showing that there's some kind of a connection between you and that person during that moment of, 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 of crisis or in that moment of joy, there is something good that is happening. I'm always reminded of this story in Mark chapter 10 where people are bringing these little kids to Jesus. And they're, they're, they're taking him to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. It's just placing hands is, you know, blessing somebody. But the disciples get all upset because, you know, children did not really have a lot of status at that time. It was really about the adults. And so they rebuke the parents. And Jesus, when he sees them getting upset with the parents and saying, keep the kids away, keep the kids away, he becomes indignant. One of the few moments that the Bible says that Jesus gets a little upset with with human beings is when they're trying to keep the little kids away from him. And he says to his disciples, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child cannot enter into it. And he takes the children into his arms and he places his hands on them and he blesses them. And he blesses them. There's just something about touch that can express blessing and care and affection. There's something about when you pray and you lay your hand on a person who's in pain or grief and you pray for them, there is something about connecting them to the power of God working in them that makes it special. There's something about somebody entering into ministry or entering into a path that's going to bring glory to God that the the leaders of the church place their hands on them. And it's the church saying, we see you and what it is that you're attempting to do for God and the kingdom of God. And this is not flippant and and it's not easy and it's serious and we want to see you succeed in what it is that you are trying 
trying to do to bring glory to God, to bring peace in the church, to bring the gospel into somebody's life, to make a difference in somebody's life with the love of God. And that's the kind of church that we want to be. We want to be the kind of church that, that understands that there is something special about the appropriate touch in prayer that connects people maybe in a way that they've not felt in a long time to the presence of God. There is something about putting our hands on children and blessing them or on people that are ill that says you're not alone. When people come into our building for the first time, they, want, they need to feel the warmth, the, the touch of a hand-to-hand or fist-to-fist in the holy bump You know that says we see you and we care about you and we especially care about God in your life. That's what our community needs is a group of people that are continually, continually, continually putting their faith in God and the power of God and connecting that, that gospel, that love, that redemption, that forgiveness, that love to people. To people. Again, if you want to become a disciple of Jesus this morning, I'd love to sit down and talk to you about it. I'm going to be down here at the front after the singing of this next song. This is an opportunity for us to praise God for His goodness and the way that he has touched us. Let's stand and sing.